Well, nice to see you all. Nice to be among you again. Always is. Lovely to see you all. Um, I want to ask you a question to begin with. What's frightened you this week? What's frightened you this week? And we'd like to give a throw in, throw in some suggestions. What's we been frightened of this week? Finances. What? Finances. Finances. Yeah. Right. Well, fair enough. Yeah, that's good. Understandable. You got. Did you? Frightened driving. Yeah, I had one of those as well this week. Someone came out on me and I thought, and Christy went, ah! <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> Anyone's health? Frightened about your health, yeah. Bad news, sorry, yeah. I haven't got hearing aids in. <laughs> Cheeky monkey. Trying to get an old because you get bad hearing, yeah. What's that? Being shoved in an ambulance. Yeah. Well, we've got a few suggestions, haven't we, as to what we get frightened about. And uh, I want to talk about fear this morning, because it seems to me that fear is something that we all have. Whatever sort of week we've had, I bet there are things which have frightened you at some point. And it's the way we're made. We're made to be fearful, almost. And because, of course, it's a good thing to be fearful, isn't it? If you're walking beside a cliff, and uh, it might crumble away uh, under your feet. It's good that you think, well, actually, I'm frightened of this. I'm going to move a few paces inland. It's a good thing to do. It's built into us to protect us from, otherwise we just, uh, kids don't have fear, do they? I was out with my grandchildren yesterday. And, uh, of course, you really, you really, uh, uh, Get it into them. They've got to hold your hand, the little ones, when you're near the road, you know. They've got to. And you're, you're, you're ministering fear into their lives, lest they walk into the road. And uh, that's what you do as parents. Because the kids say, oh, yeah, they're right. And we, whoever it is, whether it's going off with strangers or whether it's, it's uh, the way they cross the road, we're all the time seeking to minister fear into our children. Don't do that or else you're ministering fear. And it's a good thing, isn't it? But the trouble with fear is some fears are totally irrational. Sometimes you're frightened and if you're honest, you can say, well, I don't know, what, I don't know why, I just feel frightened. And so, and sometimes fear is very, very uh, restricting. And, and ties us up in knots. And we can't do the thing that we want to do because we're frightened. Even though we know it's the right thing to do, we're just frozen on the spot. All these things. I just 
normal in everyday life, really. But the question is for us as Christians is say, well, what is it that we, what is, when is fear good for us and when it is not good for us? I understand it says in the Bible 365 times, be not afraid or do not fear. I've never counted them, but that's what I'm told. Don't be afraid. God's constantly saying, don't be afraid. The trouble is, if I tell you not to be afraid, there are times when you think, well, well, yeah, that's all very well for you. But I'm in this situation, I am afraid. So sometimes it's not very helpful to be told not to be afraid. But, you see, really, fear comes from two things, it strikes me. One is our experience, i.e. if we put our hand in the oven and we've got it burnt, we, do, we avoid doing it next time. So we say, I'm not going to do that again. And that's the way we learn through, through our experience. The other thing is our belief system. Say, so if you've got a belief system which says that's wrong, I'm going to be in trouble, you don't do it. You've got fear, but it's been good fear. It's kept you away. But of course you can have a belief system which is up the wall and leads you to, to, to not be frightened when you ought to be frightened. So that's part of the reason I suppose you come week in, week out on a Sunday morning is to hear the truth about God and to hear that you might learn to fear God in a good way. For the scripture says clearly the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. And so really our fear has to start with a fear of the Lord if we're going to get things right. I remember David Paulson saying, and I've often said this, and I'm sorry if I've said it before here. He said, the thing about fear is that a, a bigger fear trumps a little fear. And by that I mean that if you, have, if you are f afraid of flying and you have a sister in Australia who is dying of cancer, the question is, what's your bigger fear? The fear of flying or the fear of not seeing her before she dies? If, you're, if your fear of, of, uh, of not seeing her before she dies is greater than your fear of flying, you'll get on that plane. And we've got to see that God knows that we, we get frightened. And, uh, and he says, actually, but you fear me. You fear to listen to me. And those other fears will seem far, far less important to you. And therefore, we have to be people that listen to the Lord above everything else. Otherwise, we can become dominated by fear. And our lives are impoverished certainly our Christian life, but maybe just our ordinary life. We, there are things we don't do because we're frightened. And I want, this morning want to look at four different situations of fear. And I want to show you how you, in a sense, are to go through it, how you're to learn to go through it. Because we've learned, uh, we realise that um, <coughs> my eldest son, Nathan, when he was young, and still to a certain extent now, is frightened of dogs. And uh, when, when, we, when he was young, but anyway, a dog in the distance, he sort of starts to panic. And then we reckon it must be caused by a dog having jumped up at him when he was little. And you realise that 
it, it seems irrational. But we recognise that there's something happened in his life which is causing him to fear now. Or did cause him to fear now, then. And we recognise that so it's good, to, it's good to work through some and see why, how, we can, how we can overcome our fears because maybe we've learnt stuff in the past. Maybe things have happened to us in the past which are causing us to fear now. And so we're governed by that and, and in bondage to that now. And I'd like to, I, this came to me as I was reading, doing my reading this week and I'd like you to turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 8. Because they're all, all these four examples are in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. I realise Jesus is dealing with four situations which are really about fear, where fear has a big issue. And the first one we find is in verse 22, Luke 8. Now it happened on a certain day that Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over the other side of the lake. And they launched out. I think this is a little bit of, this was training time for the disciples. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Jesus told them to get in this boat. They get in this boat, and there's suddenly a storm affecting them. And uh, they panic. They panic. And uh, are very afraid that the boat's going to sink. So they wake up Jesus and all is well. But the point is this, they were frightened of death. And the first fear I want to talk about is the fear of death. Have you got a fear of death this morning? You know, a fear of death was sown in mankind by God. He said to, he said to Adam, the moment you eat of that fruit, you shall die. God sowed the fear into man. A man's been frightened to die ever since and perhaps for good reasons but we've got to see that um, for us death is not an end for the world the world is all about death if we die that's it end of story for us as Christians we've got to believe that death is not an end it is but this life is but a prologue Pat <laughs> It's but the prologue to the main, main event. It's but the hors d'oeuvre to the main dinner. This life. And death is but another step in that process. And we've got to see that, and what he's trying to teach them, and to say, I think this is a lesson, a lesson for the disciples. There they are. They're in a situation where they're about to die. And all they've got to do is wake Jesus up and they're safe. Gee, and we sing it, don't we? If Jesus in your boat... You can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. And uh, the answer for death, for us, is the fact that Jesus is in our boat. You've got to believe that if Jesus is in your boat, you don't have to fear death anymore. And then people are living their lives frightened to die. And panicking and saying, well, actually, I, I better do this before I die. 
You know, I've got a bucket list. I must have, I must do this, I must do that. It's all about death. Death is such a defining moment. It is the defining moment for us. It's something we should be saying, well, actually, if I die, I die. Because Jesus is in my boat. This is what it says in Hebrews. It says, <clears throat> it says, insomuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Are you frightened to die this morning? Jesus is saying to you, take me in your boat. Take me in your boat and you don't, won't have to be frightened of dying anymore. You can live free. You can live free. Are you living in bondage? Or you know, what will happen? What will happen if I get ill and die this morning? Well, it doesn't matter. Jesus is in your boat. You're going to a better place, much better place. We've got to believe that. Of course, the world doesn't believe that. It says he has pointed for men once to die and then the judgment. We should be fearing what happens after death, not death itself. And after death, we can plead the blood of Jesus. We've got Jesus in our boat. We're safe. Hallelujah. There's a resurrection for the just and the unjust. Everybody's going to get resurrected. These are, these are basic fundamental Christian truths. Everybody's going to get resurrected. Some to life, some to death and hell. That's the truth. But we don't have to fear it. We can got a gospel that says you don't have to fear to die. You can live your life for Jesus and not worry if they chop your head off. Because you're going to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. But the fear of death can be very inhibiting. If you're spending your life worried about this life, worried about what's going to happen to you. I mean, in all this general election campaign, whoever's going to talk about eternity? No one, I doubt. It's all about what, what's going to happen next five years. What's going to be good for me in the next five years? Much more important to worry about what's going to happen to me in eternity. Now I've got Jesus in my boat that saves me from death. Have you this morning? Have you got Jesus in your boat? You need him there. <laughs> they thought they were perishing. They woke Jesus up and it was all quiet. Calm. Isn't that wonderful? That's the truth that we can know and have this morning. So the first thing I want to say is we can be free from the fear of death. Okay, so don't anyone saying they're worried about dying. The second thing we find in the next story concerns a man full of demons. And it says this, they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, 
and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. You should imagine that a man who was full of demons, and we read later that he was a, had a legion full of demons, you'd think he'd be very frightened of the presence of Jesus. Do you think that, I wonder what those demons were saying to him when Jesus appeared on the scene. I wonder if they were saying to him, well, go up, go, go, don't worry, just go up and be with Jesus. Of course they weren't saying that. They were saying, keep away from that man. He'll condemn you. He'll, 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 he'll ruin you. He'll make your life absolute torment and misery. That's what they were saying to him. They were ministering fear after fear into this man that he would not come and meet with Jesus. And we've got to see that there's something, if we've got demons or even or if it's just our human nature at times, we'll react and say, you go anywhere near Jesus and he'll condemn you. That's what, and so people get frightened, they get frightened to go anywhere near the presence of God. Are you frightened this morning to come as you are in the presence of God? Are you frightened to come and be exposed in your sin, in your misery, in your difficulties? What Are you frightened this morning? People are, I know. I know people that are hiding themselves away from the presence of God and on the surface they come over all nice and smiles. Yet in their hearts they're resisting coming into the presence of God. They're fearful. We've got to see because the enemy would come in and say, you go anywhere near Jesus as you are, he'll write you off, he'll condemn you. He doesn't. If you come to Jesus as you are, you can be free of whatever bondage and baggage you're carrying. This is the truth. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you can come as you are? And you will be free. It says of this man, after Jesus dealt with him, it says... Then they went out to see what happened and came to Jesus and found the man with, from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were, they were afraid. They were afraid. Because this Jesus had transformed this man. Do you believe Jesus can transform you? Only you come as you are. Jesus can transform you. But people are frightened. They're fearful of the presence of Jesus. Yet that's all you need, the presence of Jesus. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't write you off for all your baggage. He doesn't say, oh, you should have been a better girl when you were 13 or something. He doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't say, well, you're, you're a hopeless case, aren't you? He doesn't say any of that. But the fear is, that's what will happen. When I'm in the presence of holiness, when I'm in the presence of purity, that's what will happen to me. I'll, I'll be written off. I'll be made to, be, I'll be made to feel useless and no, no good. And Jesus doesn't. Jesus liberates this man. He's the ultimate self-harmer. And yet Jesus liberates him. Do we believe that this morning? To believe that's all we've got to do, we've got to go through our fear again. The fear that if we come to Jesus, we'll be decimated. The fear that if we're really honest with Jesus, 
he's going to point out all our faults and we're going to feel dreadful. We're going to be humili- not humiliated. This man is clothed in his right mind after Jesus dealt with him. Isn't he wonderful, our Lord? But there's fear there. You've got to get through the fear that says, Jesus is going to write me off. The people that didn't want Jesus, they, they said, get out of our place now. We're afraid of you, Jesus. They didn't want to come as they were. They thought they were all right. They thought they were good, uh, well-meaning citizens of the country. Minding their own business. The man that had all the problems, he was the one that got free. Because he went through his fear. He went through his fear of entering the presence of Jesus and what it would do. And he was clothed in his right mind. So that's our second great fear. The third one we find in the (coughs) story of a woman having a flow of blood. Now, verse 43, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped and Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude strong and press you and say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power had gone from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer, your faith has made you well, go in peace. What was her fear? Her fear was the fear of people. Um, we've had the fear of death, the fear of the presence of God, and now we've got the fear of people. Uh, imagine this woman, she's had this flow of blood, that means she's unclean. She's a cast off from society, she's put to one side, no one can touch her. She's been like that for 12 years. She's been rejected for 12 years by society, by people. And so now she finds that somehow, you know what fear does? Fear, with fear, you build a wall around yourself. You build a wall. And this woman had had to build a wall around herself. Society almost made her do it because they weren't allowed to touch her. Yet she finds in herself the faith to break out through that wall and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And as she does that, she's made whole. But we find that initially she denies it. For it says, when Jesus said, who touched me, it says, when all denied it, it says. She denied it. She, she just stood there frozen, knowing that she was healed, yet knowing that not able to say anything, because she knew she'd have to stand out and be out the crowd, a place she hadn't been for all that time. And you know, it may be that God has touched your life. In some way, maybe you've reached out, touched the Lord, the Lord's done something in you. But what you're still left with is a fear of people. Because, as I said before, it's caused by our history. If you feel rejected all your life, 
Just because you've had an encounter with Jesus doesn't suddenly mean you suddenly think that everyone thinks you're wonderful. Because you built those walls around you for 12, for all those years. And so you're frightened of people. As a, as a teenager, I didn't think I was very popular. And so I found people weren't very interested in me. So what I decided to do was, I learned something, I learned a technique. I learned that if I listened to people rather than talk about myself, people were more interested in me. So I learned to be a good listener rather than a good talker. It was a, it was a technique to survival. And even though the Lord met me not long after that, I, I lived with it and I've lived with that all my life. I've ingrained something into me that makes me, I'm an easier listener than I am talker, particularly with new people. And you realise that's what we do, we build these walls around ourselves because, because things happen to us. And we don't let people really know the real us because, because we're, we want to survive. And you know, the Lord wants to come and minister and take those walls down. I, I'm convinced of that. <coughs> it's a bit of a, an ongoing job for me, learning to be a talker as well as a listener. But one thing I've learned is this, that really, the scripture had, there's a scripture which says this, it says, perfect love casts out fear. And the truth is that what the Lord wants to do in you as regarding other people is he wants to fill you with his love for them. That's what he wants to do. He wants to put love in your hearts to a point where you love people. You're not just putting on a face because people paint, paint the wall around themselves and it's all very sunny and happy. But really in their hearts, they're hard because of what's happened, because of their experiences. And the Lord wants to deal with that hardness of heart. The Lord wants to fill you with his love so that you're, not, you're living not by putting on a brave face and saying, I'm, I'm all right, thank you very much, I'm a Christian, but actually that I love. And I know this, that God needs to deal with us on, on, level, on some of these levels. Some of us have reached out through the wall but the wall's still there to people and we're touching God and we're thinking, well, actually, I've had an encounter with God and I'm okay. But actually, I've still got a hardness because I'm still frightened of people. I am, um, when I started to, 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 to study this this week, I suddenly, I realised that I was in fear of a certain situation. It, it struck me, I'm in fear about this. And I said, like, why am I in fear? You know, it's not as I think I'm going to get bashed up or anything like that. It seemed pretty irrational. And so I sought the Lord and said, Lord, why am I frightened by this situation? And I came to a, a revelation about myself, 45 years as a Christian. And I came to a revelation about myself. It was this, that deep down in my heart, and this only applies to me, I'm not saying it applies to you, but just an example of what what actually happened, what fear reveals, 
is I realise that deep down in my heart, I believe that it is wrong to challenge authority. You say, well, that's a quite a good thing, isn't it? Well, the trouble is, it doesn't allow for the love of God. Because it has the reverse, the other effect, of course, is that when I'm in authority, I struggle if someone challenges me. I think they're in sin. Now, I don't know whether anyone rings any bells. That was me. I suddenly realised it this week. That's what I'm like. And it comes from my belief system. My belief system, you shouldn't really, you can, you can moan about authority. But challenge it. Oh, no, don't challenge it. It's a sin to challenge it. But it's right to challenge authority at times. It's right to say something to somebody in authority and say, you know what, I don't think you quite got that right. It's not because you're attacking them and you're against them. It's just being normal. It's just being loving. And yet I'm not being loving. My belief system has hindered my ability to love. And the Lord has revealed it and I've had to come to the Lord and say, Lord, please deal with me on that issue. I want to challenge you this morning. If there is people that you struggle, you fear, ask the Lord to show you why you fear them. Why is it I fear this person, Lord? Maybe God has to deal stuff with in you because he wants to melt that that's within you and fill it with love for other people so you're not frightened. You're not frightened to declare what God has done in your life to the people you work with. Why are you frightened to declare what? Isn't it wonderful what God's done for you? You say, well, you know, God has so blessed me. He's done this and that. And, oh, tell someone else. Oh, no. They might not like me if I do that. Why is that? Why is that? Maybe it's because other people have rejected you in the past. They've had a go at you. And yet, have you been honest enough to come to God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm frightened in this. Please deal with me on this. So all you've got to do don't be frightened of God. Don't think he'll write you off because maybe for 45 years you've lived in sin in some way. You've got, we've got to be honest with God. It's the only way God's power is going to flow through us as a people out into the world is when we get honest with God. If we're living some, some little picturesque Christian life painted all around on the surface and we've got a big wall around ourselves, how will the ministry of God flow through us out to them? It won't. Yeah, you'll say nice words, but there's no power, no life, because it's unreal. It's just a picture. I believe God wants, doesn't want us to be governed by our fears. He wants to be governed by our love, the love of God flowing into our hearts from him. Do we believe that this morning? Or do we want to live in some fake Christian life, talk about fake news, God's more interested in fake Christian life, pretending everything's well when, it's, when underneath it, you've just got a big wall around yourself, in case anyone touches me, that song by Simon and Garfunkel, I'm a rock, I'm an island, was it no one touches me, I touch no one and no one touches me. And they're Christians like that. No one touches them. They don't touch anyone else. Anything that's real. But Jesus comes to a woman 
who's been like, who's been cut off, rejected for 12 years, unclean. And just a touch of, Je just her touching Jesus sets her free. And just you reaching out and touching Jesus this morning has set you free from your fears. It's all it takes. Reach out and touch him. And the love of God starts to flow into your heart and you start to be transformed. But he can't do it if there's a big wall around you. Let's go on to our last example. And our last example is the example of Jairus. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him. And they're all waiting, verse 40 I am. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. And we pick it up in verse 49. It says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered saying, do not be afraid. There is fear again. Only believe and she will be made well. And of course she was. What was this man afraid of? He was afraid of losing his daughter. He was afraid of loss. Are you frightened of loss this morning? Losing your stuff. You know, I like everyone else have got one of these. How did you feel if you lost it? I look at mine about 20 times a day, get all my news from it and everything like that. To lose this would be a big blow to my life. Uh, <clears throat> and when I... Um, when we moved to Worthing last summer, we filled up two great big Pantechnican vans of our stuff. We had that much stuff when we moved. When I go on holiday, my arm almost falls off with the bag I'm given to carry because Chris is a great... We love our stuff. We love our things that we surround ourselves with. This is what it says in chapter 9 when Jesus sent the disciples out. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs nor bag nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. When he sent them out, in the power of the Spirit, he sent them out with nothing. Why? Shouldn't they have packed for all the contingencies that might happen upon their journey? Shouldn't they have worked it all out, how we're all going to survive the, the rigours of the missionary life? He knew that they needed to depend on him when they were out there. And that if they didn't depend on him, they wouldn't be filled with his power. Maybe that's the reason we don't see God's power in our lives today, because we're all full of stuff. Stuff that we cling to, stuff that we hang on to, stuff that we get worried about losing. We fear losing. What would happen if 
If you know, my house went up in flames. Pray, pray it doesn't <laughs> while we're here this morning. And all my stuff went up in flames. But you see, we hang on to it. And we hang on to people. We hang on to relationships. So I can't do that because of, because this person, what, what this person, because I'm dependent on, this person is dependent on me. And other things like our dignity or our face, you know, we don't want to lose face. We don't want to lose our independence, I hear that, you know, I don't want to lose my independence. Anything but lose my independence. And we're rigid with fear that we'll lose these things. And the Lord says, let go of them. We heard that, didn't we, in, our, in a word this morning, let go. Let go of the stuff. Not wrong to have stuff. But it's wrong if you're clinging to it to a point where it stops you receiving the ministry of the Lord. Sometimes I think we fail to make ourselves vulnerable to one another because we're so frightened that we'll look bad in front of other people if we say we might have a problem. And we're fearful of losing faith. What are you frightened to lose this morning? What is it if the Lord were to take away would devastate you? This man Jairus was going to lose his daughter. Of course he'd be devastated. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He, he was driven. This man, this, this synagogue leader was driven to Jesus because of his, 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 his impending loss of his daughter. I wonder what it take, take God, God had to do with us before we're driven to the Lord. I wonder what threat of loss would need to happen in our lives before we're driven to the Lord and say, Lord, please help me that we might be filled with the ministry of God. Do we believe that God wants to minister through us this morning? What does Jesus say a little bit later? He says, then he said to them all in, in chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, lose him, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Can you imagine, I mean, we, we, this doesn't mean anything to us, the pictures of the cross. But really, the point is, is that the man condemned on the cross, there he was carrying his cross through the street. What had he got in life? He'd lost everything. The only thing he left was his own life that was about to expire in a few hours' time in great agony. That was all he had left in this life. And Jesus said, that's the picture of the Christian disciple. He's got nothing. He's got nothing to expect but death. But he's living it unto Jesus. He's walking with Jesus. We're coming after Jesus, denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily. Not just a one-off experience, but day in, day out, following him. It's a Lord challenge. Are you what are you frightened of losing this morning? 
What are you frightened to lose? I think we should be people that lay all that we are at the feet of Jesus, day in, day out. And say, Lord, it's all yours. All my stuff is yours. Even my mobile phone is yours. Then we might start to minister in the power of God. We've really got an attitude. I've given everything to Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Saviour. He's wonderful. He deserves it all. What are you frightened of this morning? You know, I've touched many things here. I, 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 maybe there's something in all that that's that you've been touched by. What is it you've been frightened of this week, really? Is it governing your life? Is it, is it controlling you? The Lord doesn't want your fears to control you. He wants the fear of God to control you. You're frightened, lest you don't follow him like this. Because then you're in his hands, aren't you? He can do with you what he likes. He can save you from the storm. He can heal your daughter. He can touch your uncleanness that you've experienced for 12 years. He can cast out all those demons that you carry around with you day in, day out. Nothing's too hard for Jesus. He can clothe you and set you in your right mind so people will be amazed at what he's done. All that's for you. But you're frightened this morning. Are you frightened? If you step out, if you were to step out and, and touch him, that he'd, he'd tell you to go away. Because let me tell you, he won't. He won't. I'd like us, who are we talking about? It's 25 past, just about right. What I'd like you to do as, as a response to this this morning is, to, is turn to the person next to you. And ask them to pray for you about any fears that you've got. Okay, that's a way of response. If you're husband and wife, you want to do it together, that's fine. But just share together and pray for one another. I think we've got to pray for one When you know your fears are coming into your life, get someone to pray for you. Take nothing out you know, and say, Lord, you know, just set me free. And just 